Welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. I'm your host, Aaron White, and today we've got two new animated flicks to talk about. The first is Wendell and Wild from Netflix. It stars the voice work of Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, Angela Bassett, Lyric Ross, James Hong, and Ving Rhames. It is directed by Henry Selick, and it is written by Henry Selick and Jordan Peele. What's it about? Two scheming demon brothers, Wendell and Wilde, enlist the aid of 13-year-old Cat Elliot to summon them to the land of the living. So as you can imagine, just in time for Halloween, it's another Henry Selick, creepy, macabre, dark, animated story that kind of is for kids and kind of maybe leans more towards the teen demographic. This is Henry Selleck's first directorial work, I believe, since Coraline back in around 2009. So it's been almost 15 years now since we had something from him. And I, for one, was very excited about this. I thought, this was a really interesting pairing, Henry Selleck and Jordan Peele, and I just enjoy the animation style so much. The Nightmare Before Christmas is one of my all-time favorite films. I like Coraline. I like James and the Giant Peach, though I don't love them, and so I had high hopes. I'll start with the good stuff. The good stuff is the animation. This stop-motion animation looks incredible. The whole aesthetic of this world works really well. It feels like an upgrade of what Henry Selleck has done before, like a more refined and modern take on that. And it's got lots of oddly designed creatures and weird vibes. It is very visually eye-catching for sure. And that was one of the things that helped to ensure my attention throughout this about hour and 40-ish, 45 minutes story, when there were some frustrations with the pacing, it always looked good. And so that's one thing you can kind of fall back on. Voice cast is also absolutely excellent across the board, specifically supporting performances that I want to note. Ving Rhames is the big bad head demon. He's used sparingly but he's the perfect casting for that character and also James Hong who plays Father Bests who is the priest that is in charge of or runs this school that our main character Cat ends up at he goes through some interesting transitions in the film I don't want to be too specific but James Hong is always always amazing in anything he does animated. And so I thought you know, he stood out to me. And Lyric Ross does a really, really solid job as well as the main character. Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, again, they're they're all good. They're all serviceable. They all work, but they did not stick out to me in a way that was, I don't know, memorable. And that's kind of where I'm at with this whole movie. It's got a very dark opening. And since it's like the first scene, I don't feel bad about kind of expressing what happens because it sets up the whole adventure that you're going to go on. 
the backstory for this character cat is essentially that her parents die when she is a toddler they're out at a halloween carnival in town she sees something in her candied apple i think it's a worm she screams her dad wrecks the car some things happen parents drown and essentially the main character is left alone for the rest of her life so when we meet her to kind of really start the movie she's 13 she's been in juvenile delinquency for some time and now she is being taken to this place called the rust bank catholic school for girls as an opportunity to kind of rehab herself and to become part of a community essentially and have some adults that care about her there is a really interesting amount of characters in this school the father is obviously a priest there's angela bassett who plays a nun there are some weird kind of powers that some of the characters have that don't really get shown to us for quite some time and all in all it's a fine plot because it revolves around Wendell and Wilde, these two demons that are intent on being brought back to the land of the living. So, or being summoned to the land of the living, not brought back. They've never been there, I guess. But they want to be up instead of down. And so they are trying to make this pact with Cat who is what we find out is called a hell maiden to bring them back. And they're willing to make promises in order to get that. Now, are they keeping those promises? That's yet to be seen. You'll need to watch the movie to find out and what those promises exactly are. But essentially that's how this works. It's a very common story. She makes a deal with the devil and there's an adventure. Hijinks ensue. There's also a subplot of the Rust Bank Catholic School kind of running low on money and having some issues because there is this entity in town called the Crux Corpse, I believe, that is like some sort of a real estate developer, but they're like nefarious. And so they're trying to buy up all of the town's land so that they can have it to develop on and then make money off of. So there's like a little bit of a kind of classism commentary going on there. It, the whole movie has a little bit of a punk rock feel to it, especially the music. It doesn't have the kind of original soundtrack like The Nightmare Before Christmas. So if that's what you're expecting, set your expectations right. I don't know that there are any original songs. There might have been one. But the rest of them are all just kind of like short little ditties and then they move on. And then it has a few different known punk rock songs that play at various points. But the soundtrack was not something that stood out to me as an excessively great part of this movie. Ultimately, it just gets way too messy. It is unfocused. It tries to do too many things. And I did not connect to the character of Kat, and have that emotional impact of her trying to see her parents again, the feelings that she had of missing them for all this time. And, and to an extent, she's very guilt-ridden as well. I wanted to feel more th than I did. It's just too messy. And 
it it does nail the goofy spooky vibe it's very consistent but it is not paced well like it you, you'll have some fun for a minute and then it'll go off and just kind of ramble for a while it feels like and i just was always sort of kind of waning in and out with my attention i like i said i liked looking at it i enjoyed the visual aspects of the story and the characters and the designs of them but not the character personalities as much it talks about friendship it talks about you know finding a place in the world moving on from grief and some of those things it just doesn't do any of those in a special way or a way that i felt like i was better for having watched this i didn't work as therapy for me i I don't know i just i didn't have that lasting memorable quality that something like a Coraline did or the nightmare before christmas obviously for so many people does so i just am about kind of right down the middle on wendell and wild this is in select theaters now and it is going to be streaming on netflix on october 28th right in time for your halloween weekend it's a fine one to pop in and watch with your teenagers your young young teens and enjoy with them over this weekend but it's not something that i think is going to have any sort of lasting value and i was underwhelmed and frankly disappointed that this is the return from Henry Selleck that we got. I think that there's a great foundation and some really good ideas for storytelling within this. I just don't think that they were executed in a way that was tight enough to make it pay off like they really hoped it would. So that's where I'm at with this one. I definitely think it's worth a watch, but I think that it's not worth going to see in a theater. And it's obviously not something that's going to be for everyone. If you don't normally like this kind of animation, this is not going to change your mind. The other movie we have is a Blu-ray release, Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Thank them for sending me an advanced copy of this, and I apologize for not getting around to this review until now. The film is already available in 4K Ultra HD on Blu-ray Combo Pack and Blu-ray and on digital, but it only has been out for a little bit over maybe about a week at this point, maybe less than a week. So I'm slightly behind on this, but I did want to get a chance to talk about it. it stars the voices of Troy Baker, Travis Willingham, Jack Dylan Glazer, and Jack Griffo. It is directed by Matt Peters and written by Jeremy Adams. What's it about? After discovering he has powers, 11-year-old Jonathan Kent, an assassin-turned-boy wonder, Damian Wayne, must join forces to rescue their fathers, Superman and Batman, and save the planet from the malevolent alien force known as Starro. This is a fantastic new DC animated film, and it centers around Jonathan, or John, I might use them interchangeably the rest of this review, Kent, the son of Clark and Lois, and how he discovers that Superman is his dad. He then meets Batman and Damien as Superman is looking for help in how to parent in the sense that his son is suddenly starting to develop powers, but they aren't quite sure what all he is capable of. And also, there is a pending threat. And so he's kind of bringing Jonathan along as he starts to investigate. 
as mentioned, that threat is the supervillain alien life form Starro, who you may be familiar with if you have seen the most recent James Gunn live action movie, The Suicide Squad. Same villain, same concept here. Not only is the animation top notch in this, it is that new cell shaded approach that all of the films in the DC animated universe have been employing now for a year or two since they rebooted it. There's still some hand-drawn animation here and there, but mostly it's CG, and it looks a lot like a video game, which I personally love. I never felt that that was a problem in me understanding character emotions on the faces. I've seen that complaint, but it's not something that affected me. And it has a very super slick and stylized feel about it that I think personally suits comic book action really well. It looks nice to watch. The story does a great job of showing us two different types of father and son relationships, too. They may not have the same personalities or parenting methods or way of expressing their feelings, but they both clearly love and want their sons to become strong, good men like they are. The main thing, though, is the relationship between Damien and John that develops as they end up on this adventure slash mission together. They have to learn to work together, and they don't start off on a good foot, which creates some fun drama. And it's not natural for Damien, I don't think, to have any sort of a friend. But as they start to bond, that growth feels really natural. And I like how it plays out in subtle ways that there is a shift occurring in the feelings of both boys towards each other, all the way up until some pretty impactful, bigger moments in the film. We probably can't relate to the exact experience of, you know, two different superheroes having this relationship, but I think that it will remind many viewers of their childhood. And it feels a lot like the movies that you know of young boys growing up and having adventures like The Goonies and Stand By Me. Both of those are actually noted by the filmmakers as influences in the making of Featurette, and, and they stood out to me in a big way. And I can see how they use that here. Some of the best parts of this movie to me is the banter between them and the differences in the hardened, experienced, I have to be as good as my dad demeanor of Damian Wayne versus the softer, still figuring out what powers he even has and kind of just happy to be here in this superhero world attitude of Jonathan Kent. There's also a lot of change that occurs in the characters by the end. And heck, I even liked that little brat Damian a little bit. Now, I'm a massive Batman fan. I have tons of Batman stuff in my house, and Damien is always the one that drives me nuts, because it's how his character is portrayed. He is whiny, bratty, and just a complete jerk. And there's reasons for that. You know, if you're familiar with who his mom is and what his story is, so it, it makes some sense but it was really nice to kind of get to see him not only show that initially in this, but really 
start to pivot and change and learn how to be part of a, a team or a friendship. I really appreciated that because Damien, as he is at the beginning of this movie, if you just keep him like that for all of a film or multiple films, you can get real worn on out him, worn out on him very quickly. This also has a bit of a horror vibe to it for real. At times when Starro is doing his whole invasion of the body snatchers type thing, it's really creepily depicted and it's not nearly as silly as it is in the Suicide Squad movie. So go figure. The animated film feels more serious in a lot of ways. I also really enjoyed the numerous other characters from the universe that we get brief interactions with, some of the Teen Titans specifically, and the way that the story is very self-contained, but it leaves potential for some great teenage superhero stuff in the future. I would love if they took Jonathan and Damien, where they end up at the end of this movie, take some of the Teen Titans characters that they briefly introduced us to from this universe and put them off on some sort of adventure slash mission themselves, some sort of problem for them to deal with and interact with each other, because I think that that would be a lot of fun to watch. These are great versions of those characters, in my opinion. Honestly, this is my favorite DC animated work in quite some time, and I hope that this model serves as influential for future filmmakers at the studio. The passion that these people had in making this particular story, it really does shine through. It doesn't feel like they're just trying to tell a story that is a natural progression of something that happened already, and so they're kind of shoehorned into following up on events that already occurred. This feels like a snapshot story that, just like they say again in this featurette, that this was what they wanted to talk about and why. These are the themes they wanted to explore, and this is a way they could do that. And so it feels more like a standalone project, and I, and I, really, I really liked it for that reason. That special featurette that I keep mentioning is on the, the disc. It's called Rival Sons. Jonathan and Damien is 15 minutes long. The tagline is, Legacies collide as Jonathan Kent and Damien Wayne set aside their differences, forming an unlikely alliance to save the world. Yes, of course. It's really, really good little exploration of the characters and how their personalities and interactions inform such an interesting story when put together, as well as those themes of father and son, differences in parenting relationships and, and child friendship. There's also two bonus episodes from the DC Vault, a very common thing to show up on DC's animated film discs. This one features the Demon's Quest parts one and two from Batman the Animated Series, and it's the story that formally introduced Ra's al Ghul into Batman the Animated Series. Batman, at one point during this story, is Ra's al Ghul kind of shows up in the Batcave, surprisingly, and Batman is shocked to find him there, which I found to be a really interesting and fun coincidence for those of us currently who are playing the new game Gotham Knights, because... <laughs> Something similar happens, and if you've played both, you're going, oh my gosh, yes. And if you haven't, you're like, what are you talking about? So, sorry. There's no real connection at all between these two particular episodes and this movie. Sometimes they pick episodes that sort of have a 
tangential relationship to the story in the movie or a tie-in of some kind, like another version of what they're doing, but not the case in this one. It, they are good episodes, but yeah, just, just a couple, one little one-shot story there and that 15-minute featurette. But in this case, the featurette is better than a lot of the featurettes I've watched on these discs before, and I highly recommend it. As I said before, this is available now in all formats, and I think it is well worth a purchase, and you should just buy it. I think it's a movie that's worth watching multiple times. If you are a Batman, Superman fan, it kind of bridges the gap between those characters because you get just enough of both, and you get both of their sons. It's just damn good time. I had a blast, and I've already started going around recommending it to all my friends and have been feeling excited and anxious to watch it again. So there you go. Gets a strong recommendation from me. Well, that's it for this episode of FF Plus. As always, if you've enjoyed, please let us know. Find me on social media at Aaron L. White, A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E on Twitter, Letterboxd, etc. You can find the rest of the social media links in the show notes of every episode. If you enjoy the show, share it with your friends. Find us on YouTube, like and subscribe. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your podcast platform of choice. Leave us some kind words in a review. All those things help to make the show grow and reach more and more people. But most of all, just thank you, as always, for listening. It means the world. Very much appreciated. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filmed. Thank you.